You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic who is just back from Knoxville uh, over uh, after witnessing Kentucky finally uh, exercise the demon in Thompson Bowling Arena. Four straight losses for Kentucky uh, down there in Knoxville, and uh, you know, three and six was John Calipari's record against the Falls uh, on Rocky Top, and you know he kind of even mentioned it in his post game press conference that uh, you guys, you know, reminded me that I'm not very good down here. But uh, this is a tough environment. But the biggest takeaway is that four straight weekends that we've been talking about all four weekends at Arkansas, at Texas Tech, at Auburn, at Tennessee. Uh, Four Saturdays in a row, and Kentucky comes out of it three and one. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of the last paragraphs of what I wrote from today's game was on these consecutive four consecutive Saturdays. Kentucky led by thirty eight minutes uh, against Tennessee today, thirty three minutes against Texas Tech. 31 minutes against Arkansas. And even in the one they lost, they led for 25 minutes yeah. at Auburn and had the lead with four minutes to go in that game. Um, you know, they, they played well all four games. I mean, they, they were up to the challenge in every game. Four, they, they very easily could have gone 4-0, and and they ended up 3-1. and I think if, you, if on the front end of this trip, if you said you're going to be at, at Arkansas, at Texas Tech, at Auburn, at Tennessee – and you're going to go three and one. Calipari would have said, "Give me that all day, every day." Mm-hmm. Um, because here's the other thing: that all, all four of those environments were great. They were all loud. They were all rowdy. Um, you know, every time I- any of those teams made a run, they thought they were just thunderous. And Kentucky handled it. You know, that, I don't think they ever felt rattled by the environment. They, you know, they they had moments that they didn't play great, but I never felt like the team was rattled by the environment. And that's a good sign because the other thing is you don't play any you don't play any road games in the NCAA tournament, right? You know, I mean Kentucky's gonna at worst have a neutral crowd and pretty probably almost assuredly have the the home crowd in all of those. Um, now because of the way they played, they may get shipped way out somewhere. They might have to play in on the West Coast, but I think the road experience prepares you for that as well. So I, you know, I think that you have to feel very good about coming out of this thing three and one and and the one loss being kind of where you let it slip away at the end there, there wasn't a there was not one road game against four quality to very good opponents where they weren't i didn't where i thought they're just not up to the challenge and and at the end of the game kentucky executed pretty well in all of those except Auburn executed a little bit better. And that had kind of been a weakness of Auburn's coming in. I think Um, Hoops Insight is the one who pointed that out. Uh, Is that right? At Hoops Insight? Yeah. Yeah. Where he pointed out last 10 minutes of games in single digits, Auburn had been, you know, outscored by 25 or something like that. And Kentucky had outscored opponents. Uh, So 
That, though, seems to have sparked Auburn because the Tigers beat LSU on the Plains on Saturday. And now, because of Kentucky's win and Auburn's win over LSU, and LSU's also the loss to Vanderbilt earlier in the week, now it's a three-way tie atop the SEC, 8-2. and two. Auburn obviously has the tiebreaker, but Auburn still has to come to uh, Rupp Arena. And Kentucky still uh, has a game against LSU. So Kentucky in control of its own destiny on the way out and could possibly crack into uh, one of those top four seeds, especially with like Michigan State losing to Michigan. Why are they still a number four seed uh, out of those top 16 that were revealed on Saturday? And Kentucky not. Kentucky seems to be right below that, maybe like 17, 18, 19. They didn't reveal the rest, but you would imagine Kentucky's right there underneath that. But uh, And, you know, South Carolina continues to get better. One over Texas A&M on Saturday by like 20. Uh, Arkansas, by the way, <laughs> going, yeah, going the opposite direction. And then if you didn't see it, Mason Jones and Eric Musselman uh, got into a verbal altercation uh, in a huddle there. Oh, during, wow. During that game. That did not look good. You don't know what was said and all that, but it, and I haven't listened to what Musselman said after the game, but it, it did not look good. And clearly, you know, Mason Jones is their, their top dog. So it could be mm, unraveling there in Fayetteville. But uh, we'll, we will talk about that seeding either later in the week or maybe later in this podcast if we have time. But we really should, I think, focus on what Johnny Juzang did today. I mean, it yes. was it was pretty remarkable. Completely perfect. Four of four shooting from the field. Three of three on threes. Two of two at the free throw line. A rebound and an assist. Uh, and a steal. One turnover. Plus seven. Yeah, and when you when you talk about uh, you mentioned earlier the the way Kentucky finished the game. Um, this was a game again. They led for thirty eight of forty minutes, uh, and for much of the game they had a double digit lead. It was like they would go up ten. And let the lead, you know, like the movie we've seen all year, let the lead shrivel to four or five. Go up ten, let it go to four or five. And with eight minutes to go, Kentucky had been up ten, in part because Johnny kept hitting threes. Um, but as Cal Perry pointed out, maybe the biggest play of the game, there, you know, Tennessee gets it to four. Under eight minutes to go, Richards gets fouled. He makes one free throw. He misses the second. Johnny Juzang bounces out of nowhere, kind of. I, I didn't, I, you know, I look up and there he is bounding out, out on the outside, get, getting kind of a long rebound, and immediately goes right back up and scores. All of a sudden, it goes from four to seven. Yeah. Um, next sequence, Tennessee scores to get back to five, and then Nick Richards and one. And that's basically, from that point forward, the game was just about over. Um, you know, Tennessee made one more push. They got within five with three minutes to go on a three-pointer. Um, and from that point on, Kentucky just totally mashed the gas. Uh, they ended up, it was 66, 61 at that point. The rest of the way, Kentucky outscored them 11 to three. Yeah. Um, made a bunch of free throws. Um, you know, Emmanuel quickly ended up hitting the dagger three pointer. Um, that sort of was the punch out with a minute 32 to go. It was like, okay, this is it ball game. Yeah. Um, and so I would say those guys did what they've been doing. I mean, in this run of really good games for Kentucky, Nick Richards and Emmanuel Quickly have just basically brought it every single night. Yeah. Uh, and they did it again. He had 15 and 7. Nick did. Um, he was 5 of 5 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line. Emmanuel Quickly hit a couple big threes and ended up with 18 points. But 
we've seen that before. What we mm. have not seen was anything like what Johnny Juzang did. I mean, right. career high 13 points. Finally, not only made a three, I don't think he had made multiple threes yet in a game. He makes three of them uh, in this one. And it feels like he's really getting it going. Like, he started – I wrote I wrote largely about him and also Keon Brooks, and we can talk about Brooks in another segment. But yeah. uh, Johnny started the season 2 of 15, and he came in, by the way, as with a reputation as a sniper. He came in – he started the season 2 of 15 from 3 and 7 of 31 from the field. So if you're right. here as a freshman – and you, you know some of the other areas of your game aren't quite fully formed, and your reputation—the reason you're you're here is to be a shooter, and you can't shoot <laughs> or you can't make. Mm-hmm. You're not going to play much, and so he didn't. But over the last seven games, he's shot 46% from three and 54% from the field, and sort of he's sort of just been like working up to it, inching up to it, hitting a shot here, hitting a shot there, hitting a couple shots. And, and Cal Perry said, he's earning my trust, like slowly but surely. Finally, I'm seeing him do it, you know, and I trust him. And I, that's huge for, for Johnny, but it's also really big for Kentucky because, you know, they have three guards. Now they have four. Right. And I, don't, I just don't know how you handle Kentucky if quickly is going to play the way he's played so consistently. You know, Maxie's going to score a dozen to 18 points every night. If they can get Hagens out of his little funk that he's in. And then you got Johnny Juzang. Now being the shooter everybody thought he was going to be, that's very, very, very lethal in the backcourt. And it, it proved to be lethal for Tennessee. I mean, that, that ultimately killed any chance they had of coming back. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about Johnny Juzang, then get, move on to Keon Brooks and more on this game when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends, Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest, continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours, seven days a week, year-round like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we left off uh, talking about Johnny Juzang, 13 points, a career high, 3 of 3 from 3, 4 for 4 from the field, 2 of 2 free throws. Uh, he was remarkable. He came up with balls, and you you mentioned it. John Calipari was talking in the post game, and he, was, he picked out a couple plays, and in each of the plays – he was basically saying what Johnny Juzang was about to do. He was saying, no, don't do that. Do <laughs> this then, instead. And then great job, Johnny. Right. And then great job, Johnny. And then he said, that is showing, that is building my confidence in him. And he, he mentioned that it, not only that, but he has seen before, like he, not only that confidence, but he, has, he said that he has seen before that Juzang has no fear. When it comes to shooting the ball, he has no fear. It, it doesn't. Nothing bothers him. And in this game, in that demonstrated performance that we always hear about, it's just going to help him going forward. And I think you're, I think you're right about you know, how much he can contribute going forward. But part of it has also been out of necessity. Like Calipari, 
what in 2013 said, I'm, I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to be held hostage because we don't have a bench. And Maxie is, is bothering him at times. You know, Quickly's doing his thing. Ashton's decision-making has gotten a little bonkers, but it's like he can't do anything about that. What he can do is put Johnny in for Maxie and let Maxie know you, you got to bring it on both ends. And if you're not, Johnny's going to play more. Yep. And, and and he's doing it that way, and then Juzang is making the most of his time on the floor. Uh, so I, I think it's great going forward. You make the point about those four guys. I mean, both of them you would imagine are only going to get better. I mean, Maxi and Juzang. But you know, the thing he he said about Maxi, where you go down and you want to on offense, you want to take on four guys a one on four break and go through there and throw up a circus shot, and that takes a lot of energy to do that. But then you half-ass jog it back down the floor and get beat. And where's the energy on the other end? Yeah. And he's really trying to make a point to him, uh, I think. And Johnny's helping him make that point. Yeah, it's always good when there's somebody else, <laughs> you know, to take your spot. Um, the other thing that I took from this game, and the main thing that I wrote, is just not only watching what uh, Johnny and also Keon Brooks did, but also in listening after the game, uh my story, I basically said this game was like a postcard to Khalil Whitney. Um, oh, yeah. And and I thought what Johnny Juzang said was pretty poignant. I said, how, you know, how, obviously you thought it was going to go different than it has to this point, and there have been some low points. Now, how did you navigate that? And it, he had a great thought. And he, has, he said some things like this even when he was struggling that showed some maturity. But today he said, if you have a clear vision and goal in mind of what you want to do, you're going to keep pushing. You're not always going to feel great or motivated or positive. That's just not realistic. You're going to go through stretches where you're down and you're not motivated. You've just got to keep going no matter how you feel. When you have that goal in mind, just keep pushing. Um, so that was interesting from him. And then Calipari, when he was asked um, about sort of what has – I think I asked uh, – I asked him at one point, you know, did you have a like a meaningful conversation that helped? Yeah, like a turning through? point. Yeah, and he said of Johnny, he said he's got a great attitude. He takes responsibility for how he's playing. Uh, your stats are what you say you are. If I played more, if I could shoot more, if I not, nah, you are what your stats say you are. And he just kept fighting. Like everything about what Johnny said and what Cal said about Johnny, to me, was if not specifically. In, sort of in spirit, it was it was connected to what happened with Cleo Whitney. Mm -hmm. It was like you know, not everybody's willing to own their part in why they're not playing more and accept their role and do whatever I'm telling them they can do to get on the floor. Uh, and this guy did, or these guys did, and which leads us to Keon Brooks, who had nine rebounds, career high. Johnny had a career high thirteen points. Keon Brooks had barely touched the ball offensively, but he had. A career high nine rebounds today when yeah, those guys both over. played at least 24 minutes i mean that's you know you say you want playing time do the thing you're supposed to do johnny's supposed to make shots you are what your stats say you are i thought that was interesting because like you're supposed to be a shooter you couldn't make anything or earlier in the year why would i play you now you're proving you can make shots you get to play keon brooks i've told you to do and when khalil was here i told both of you to do one thing go rebound and defend if you're not doing that you don't play so you know Khalil leaves, Keon rebounds. Um, you know, he's had now he's had some disappearing acts, but he's had several games recently where he had five, six, seven, eight, nine rebounds. Um, and today it was critical because 
you know, poor Nate Sestina. <laughs> he got four fouls in seven minutes and gave them nothing. But Sestina. Oh, no. He, he gave them a little bit of defense. There were, like, as I'm walking, going through the game, he there were several times that he helped defend um, Fulkerson. Like, Fulkerson, all three of his field goals, I think he was three of ten, all three of them were on EJ Montgomery. And Sestina maybe like three times defended Fulkerson and kept him from making a basket. So okay. he gave them a little Not bit. much in seven when you only play seven minutes. But, but I mean, Fulkerson drew yeah. 12 fouls. Yes, And Sestina was part of that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was another part of the game we can talk about. it. I've never seen anything like it. Ten fouls drawn in the first half. Yeah. Um, but Montgomery and Sestina, partially because of that foul trouble, only gave them a combined two points and four rebounds. So it was huge for Johnny and especially for Keon to give what they did, a combined yeah. 17 points and 10 rebounds, which is not a normal output by them. The points by Johnny, the rebounds by Keon, those are yes. abnormal spikes in production. And I think, you know, as much as anything, you look at a game like, oh, can they survive if, you know, X, Y, or Z don't play well? You know, Ashton didn't play well today. Two of no. eight from the field, five no. turnovers, three assists. He did not play well. Um so Ashton doesn't play well. EJ doesn't play well. That's two of your five starters. And your sixth man, Nate Sestina, goes over in seven yeah. minutes. And you still win by 13 on the road at a place where you never win. Yeah. Because two guys that you desperately need to give you something off the bench did it. I, thought, I think that's the fact that those guys – in a moment where it had to happen, where if your bench doesn't help you, I mean, you know, how many games have, has Kentucky had where the bench was like eight points? <laughs> you know, right? The bench was you know, huge eight points and four rebounds. Yeah. When it had to deliver, the bench delivered, and that is like a massive thing. If Johnny Juzang will score even like six to eight points a game and hit a couple threes, and if Keon Brooks will just get five to six rebounds a game. Kentucky's very, very difficult to beat, I think, almost any game. Well, it's just it's just if those guys know, that Keon knows and Johnny knows, that when they see that, you know, the starters, you know, a few of them aren't playing well, that it's up to them. And they take that on and embrace it and go produce. That's a big thing as well. I mean, I won't completely bury uh, Montgomery like I wouldn't Sestina just because those three blocks he had – um, yeah, I mean, a he did. Steals. He it, did some things defensively. I mean, he it wasn't challenged what he, at the rim. Yeah, it wasn't what you need from Montgomery, but he contributed a little bit that way. And then Hagen's hit, you know, six of six at the free throw line. He had um, uh, a big rebound late. Uh, they had, were once again, by the way, they were lights out at the free throw line. They were twenty oh twenty two of twenty five from the free throw line, 88%. I mean, this is this is like not an anomaly. This is by far the best free throw shooting team Calipari's ever had. Well, you, talked, you, you brought up against Mississippi State, they were like, what, 16 of 16 over the final 221? Yes. And then in this game, they were 10 of 10 over the final 333. That is huge. Yes. North Carolina it, would like to have that. In the last three and a half minutes, Kentucky made six of seven field goals. And Tennessee held Tennessee 0 for 5 and then made 10 of 10 free throws. And that's how you turn a four-point margin into a 13-point win. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, more on this game because there's so many different things to talk about uh, to go with it. Uh, and, and just an amazing – like if you don't follow Corey Price on Twitter – and you like nuggets, and I love nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when Wendy's. 
<laughs> the spicy ones, and we got a spicy one for you coming up, but uh, it, it's really good. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it next on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Lockdown Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate UK fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Lockdown gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Lockdown podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with UK fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with the disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Kentucky podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, so I so I teased the spicy nugget uh, from Corey Price, which is, you, you probably saw this, but, you know, UK has been abominable under John Calipari at... Uh, Tennessee, but UK has never won a national championship without winning at Tennessee in the same season, and this is in the Calipari era, UK has advanced to a Final Four in every season under Calipari that they've won at Tennessee. Yes, I knew both of those things even before Corey tweeted them, but Another one is it's the eighth time in 11 seasons under Calipari. Eight times in 11 seasons, UK has started 8-2 and two in SEC play. And in six of those previous seven seasons of having an 8-2 and two start. 8-2 and two or better. 8-2 and two or better, Kentucky has advanced to at least the Elite Eight. So there you go. Yeah, spicy. I mean, there's there's this very spicy nugget. There, there's, some, <laughs> uh, there's some very good omens. Uh, as Kentucky basketball's account tweeted, this is like good omen. I think they tweeted after the final score. Um, and then one other, as we were talking about free throws earlier, one other spicy nugget from Corey Price. This one's actually crazier because it took some research. Uh, the four players with the most free throw attempts for Kentucky, which are Hagens, Quickly, Richards, and Maxey, mm-hmm. who basically shoot you know 80% of their free throws, those four are shooting 83% from the free throw line. <laughs> So the guys that take all their free throws, they're almost automatic. And the current, the best season so far under Calipari for the four players on whatever team it was with the most free, free, uh, free throw attempts is 73.8%. So basically mm-hmm. almost 10, these, these four are almost 10% better than any previous top four free throw shooters uh, under Cal. And that's it's just such a big thing to have guys that are – yeah. money at the end of the game and especially when one of them is your seven footer you know when one of them is nick richards and he steps up and makes them like that well i mean you saw i don't know if you saw the end of that north carolina duke game but north carolina had the lead i mean most of the game they were up by 10 they were leading it it's getting late duke starts fouling and in overtime north carolina can't hit their free throws and duke needs some craziness to win the game but those those are huge when yep. it comes to tournament time. Uh, just at, you know, quickly six of seven, Richards five of six, uh, Hagen six of six, Maxi Cal- three of four. 
and Calipari also kind of went on another rant about you know don't take contested jump shots at late in games because we're that because we're right. that good you know shooting free throws that should be the goal you know drive in there get fouled take the easy money um and that quickly is adhering to that more than anyone else he's really sort of locked into like i i'm really good at something i'm he's shooting 92 percent now for the season you know if i'm really good at something i need to be finding ways and I, i'm actually going to write a story about this like you know he's figured out i've got to find ways to get more free throws and so over the last three games he has attempted 31 free throws so an average of over 10 a game Mm. Over the last three games, that's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's and he's only missed two. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's twenty nine of thirty one over the last three games from the free throw line. Well, and it's just been in the last three games that he started doing that James Harden yes. thing, that it, NBA thing. When somebody's guarding him yeah. tight, he swings his arms up and draws yeah. the shooting foul, and he scored twenty three, twenty one, and eighteen points. I mean, Maxi since he broke out against Louisville, he had 18 against Louisville, 23 against Missouri, 19 against Alabama, 20 against South Carolina, 21 against Texas Tech, 23 against Auburn, 21 against Mississippi State, 18 against Tennessee. I think you tweeted this. Andy Kennedy said I didn't hear him say it, mm-hmm. but I agree with him. And I tweeted at one point, like, we're probably overlooking Emmanuel quickly. He's an all-SEC player now. I think I mean, so. No doubt about it. I mean, in SEC play, he's one of the – the top top scorers in the conference in SEC only games, and then that doesn't factor in the Louisville and the Texas Tech game, which are basically in the same stretch. And he had huge games in both of those. So if you take the ten SEC games and the two non conference in there, in this twelve game stretch, he's averaging like nineteen a game over a twelve game stretch. That's basically half the season to this point. Well, consistency is everything. You remember PJ Washington last year when he became consistent, Kentucky got better well and that's and, when he burst onto the scene for all these awards you know i mean he right. he had that basically you know 15 game stretch or whatever it was where because people said well you need to see it consistently and he did it consistently quickly in the in this 12 game hot streak he's on has only scored fewer than 15 points twice and he had 12 and 13 in those games and his average is 17.8 basically 18 points a game yeah, in the twelve, I mean, and he's the first player to to get double figures scoring in twelve straight games since PJ last season. Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, we you can we focus count on we, him every night. Yes, and we and it doesn't matter if he's making his jump shot because he's getting fouled. You know what I mean? Like the Mississippi State right. game, he's three for eleven, one for six from three, but he went fourteen of fourteen at the free throw line. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the shot's falling. Uh, I, I just think. We've probably we've we focus so much on you know Ashton Hagen's whether it's good or bad like his great defense or his bad decision making we focus so much on the incredible story that Nick Richards is, um, and uh, we teased it uh, at the la- end of last week and the uh, the story published so I can tell you that Nick Richards won my poll uh, of writers from all of fourteen year. SEC teams um, as the favorite just by a, a hair over PJ over. Uh, Reggie Perry. Reggie Perry. So, you know, he went into today as the, you know, unofficial favorite to win SEC Player of the Year. And so that's a great story. We focus on that. Um, you know, we focused so much on. And he Will, was good again against Tennessee. Yeah, he was. 15 and 7. I don't think he did anything to hurt himself. I don't think they got him five the ball enough. Five from the field. But, he took you know. 11 total shots, five field goals, and six free throws. He missed one. I mean, he, yeah. he yeah. maximized his opportunities. 
Um, so we focused on that and Hagen's and, and Richards and, and, you know, and then, you know, who's the other guy, who's the sixth man going to be and what happened to Khalil Whitney's transfer. There've been so many other storylines that were maybe more dramatic that I really do feel like we've probably not given Emmanuel quickly enough credit for how consistently good he's been. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of the last twelve games he's scored at least eighteen points. Yeah. That that is like if he were more of a name guy coming into the season, we'd be like, Oh, he's player of the year. Yeah, he doesn't you know you don't I mean, talk about him that way. You it, don't think about him it, that it's way. He's really not the weird. star that Maxie is. He's not the star that Hagens is. He's not the star that Richards is in that way. Yeah. It's really strange why. that we don't. I mean he's averaging he's he's now like if he keeps this up, he's gonna within the next week or so he's going to pass 15 points a game for the season you know he did start really cold i mean he wasn't shooting it well at the beginning of the year but even that said he scored in double figures in the first five games of the season <laughs> you know and he had 16 points twice he, he, he wasn't even bad then i mean he's he's only not scored in double figures three times all year if we haven't been talking about him enough now we are Emmanuel quickly is an all SEC player. It's going to be tough because there's a, so many guards in the league. Right. Um, and, you know, not as many big men, which helps, I think, Nick Richards stand out even more. So it's going to be a crowd on that all SEC team, although. And people it, are going to feel like they have to put someone from LSU on it because LSU. And Auburn. Good. Yeah. You know, McCormick and, and Mays. Skyler Mays had 30 so points. In it that won't game. shock me at all if quickly ends up on the second team. You know, and then people, when they think of Kentucky, you're going to feel like they got to put Hagens on him. He leads the league in assists and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and steals. But, you know, I, I'm not sure that if I were picking. Right now, I wouldn't put quickly on the first team and Hagen's on the second. If I was, I'm not putting Hagen's on my first team. No. Yeah, yeah. That that one I tweeted out is the one I would I would have, which is Brian Tyree and um, Reggie Perry and Nick Richards and Emmanuel Quickly and Mason Jones. That's well. The other team. thing, though, the good thing for Quickly and others is in the past, no one in the league has had any qualms about putting together eight man. <laughs> Yeah, an eight-man first right, team, right. which is so stupid. But it should be five. Yeah, there's no doubt. One other thing before we go, uh, last last point is Kentucky's defense is, is just it continues to do well, and I I don't know how it's not getting credit. Like I don't know where the numbers skew that keeps Kentucky from moving up in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. Like It's Kentucky's, weird that they're 56th in Ken Palm it, defense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. This is the fourth straight game that Kentucky has held an opponent under 40% shooting, 34.5% for um, Tennessee. And then Fulkerson is is their, their guy, you know, Bowden, another one. But Fulkerson has been uh, killing people in the post. He goes 3 of 10. Now, he did, you know, get to the free throw line a ton. Had 16.7 rebounds. I mean, if you want to compare, Nick, 15.7 rebounds. Um, you look at what they did against, you know, Jimmy Witt from Arkansas um, and, you know, Texas Tech's guy. And, uh, you know, just going back over the game, Reggie Perry, they're taking the other team's best thing away. They continue to take the other team's uh, strength away. Like, um, clearly it's coaching, but they're executing it. And Calipari always strives to be – elite defensively. And I think Barb, Tony Barbie said it a couple of weeks ago that we're an elite defensive team. Yet it doesn't show up. Like, I don't know that yeah. if you look in the statistics, you're going to see, oh, well, Kentucky's top five in this, you know, field goal percentage defense and three-point field goal percentage defense and, 
uh, some of those other statistics, and and then in Ken Palm at fifty six. But yeah, they are strange. clearly defensively elite. Seven of the last nine opponents, and as you said, four straight have shot worse than forty percent. Uh, from three, it's twenty seven percent in the last the last four games. Thirty five percent, twenty six percent, thirty one percent, twenty seven percent from three. All those teams have gotten most of their points at the free throw line. You know, uh, Tennessee had the same number of made field goals as they had made free throws. Um, Auburn had 18 made free field goals yeah. and 33 made free throws. Um, I mean, I guess that, I guess the free throws factor in and they're by committing fouls and giving up all these free throws, uh, that hurts, is hurts you. hurting their defensive efficiency because whether they score it from the field or not, they're scoring it. Um, you know, but I'm looking three point percentage defense, Kentucky's 12th in the country. Yeah. Effective. Opponents' effective field goal percentage, Kentucky's ninth in the country. So I didn't realize that. So they're top 10 in effective field goal percentage defense. They're top 15 in three-point percentage defense. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. I mean, it's got to be free throw related because because they're only 56th in total total defensive efficiency. Offensively, they've moved up to 27th. But they're, for as, as well as they've played now, and they've won, uh, what is it, 4, 8, 10, 10 of 12? And six of seven, they've only moved up to what twenty ninth is it in Ken Palm? Right, they're twenty ninth, the highest rated SEC team. <laughs> yeah, they moved ahead of Auburn. I mean, Ken Palm doesn't make any sense to me this year. It no, usually makes a lot of sense to me. It's off the rails. I don't know I, this. I think this season is so weird that it has broken the computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite right. But yeah, if 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 Calipari can just get Tyrese Maxey. A little bit more dialed in consistently on defense because we know how quickly defends, we know how Hagen's defends, and you no, know, even EJ Montgomery. I know he, you know, he, he catches a lot of heat for not living up to his potential and his lack of aggressiveness offensively. And you'll see a flash. I do think he, he plays, plays pretty good defense. Yeah, he does. He does play pretty good defense. I think you can count on him defensively, Sestina. Obviously not as much. It just depends on the matchup. Um, you know, Keon at times. Um, but I've seen Juzang be able to keep people in front of him. Much better. He's, he's gotten yeah. much better defensively, which has allowed them to keep him on the floor. Right. All right, so that's going to – we'll just wrap it up there because we could go on and on and on about this game and other stuff. Uh, wacky day in the SEC. I mean, just a wacky day in the SEC. Uh, fortunately for Kentucky, uh, it is now – a trip to Vanderbilt. We'll see. Fortunately, and then uh, and then they get a home game against Ole Miss next Saturday. So it gets a it lightens up just a little bit uh, the week ahead for before they turn around and go to LSU and play a yes. desperate LSU team. Right. Exactly. All right. So follow us on Twitter. Comment. You know, whatever. We'll answer any questions you have. I'm at D R I E F F E R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A T H. All right, have a great Monday, everybody. Thanks for listening. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.